Dynasty Kings, football by the numbers. Ain't nothing prehistoric about it. It's the fantasy land before time, man. Yeah, did. And we talking about them analytics. Yeah, I dig it. You know them digits, we fit it inside of sales. But thinking outside of the box when we did it, outside prevails. We got eight inside of the box, but we finished plenty to tell. So go ahead and plug in a pot and just listen. It's the dynasty. Velociraptors, it takes okay. dilapidated no way. Nope. Man, it's a rap, no debate. Hey. Breaking it down with the dynasty. Yeah. Often reside with the pylons yeah. be. Often we talking about dynasty. Yeah. Rocking with me at the times you'll see. Yeah. Out of the pocket online on me. Too much objective is not for me. It's not for me. I'm rocking with the dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. Locking the lineup and I don't need. Filming the fables cause finally I got all the facts. No anomaly. Yeah. Let's get it. Y'all reach his T-Rex at best. And I don't mean to go flex. I'm a dinosaurus to death. Yeah. Look, if you dino, you know. Welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Mike, let's ride. Hey, welcome to another Tyranno Tuesday. This is your host, Mike, with the Dynasty Kings. For all my throw pods out there, can I get a... That was me. Not a recording. Anyway, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Kings. I'm your host, Mike Valerie, at FF underscore Dirty Mike on Twitter. Find me on campscan.com. And today, this is going to be a very hot episode, a very hot, takey episode. Not for me, but you guys are going to think so. Um, we're talking about wide receivers 6 through 10. Now, if you joined me last time, you probably thought, oh, man, this guy didn't talk about Drake London. I did not. But I will talk about Drake London today. So... And also, it's going to be the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. So congratulations to all the Bengals. That's right. This is a pre-recorded, and I'm calling it right now. It's the Bengals. I believe in you the whole time. No one wants the Rams to win. It's basically like Darth Vader. No one wanted Darth Vader to succeed. You guys are Luke Skywalker. So congratulations to all the Bengals fans out there. You guys deserve it. Joe Burrow deserves it. All right, moving forward. Now, Wide receiver six. This is this is where it gets a little spicy here, and this is going to peak a lot of people's ears up, hopefully, because everyone's got the same first three. Um, my wide receiver six is going to be none other than Drake London, right? Uh, probably a lot lower than consensus. I don't really see anyone having him. I don't see anybody having him as low as me, honestly. I don't. Um, we'll see about – we'll see come draft time. But – Here's, here's my issue with Drake London is that I don't like his play style, and I don't think his play style translates to the NFL. But let's talk about his analytics first, right? Now, I extrapolated Drake London's analytics from when he got injured. Now, if he continued his current production into the very end of the season, he would have gotten the highest analytical score. I mean, straight up. No, no Bama bump, no Ohio bump, just straight up raw production, the highest score. Um analytically that I have on this model. So let's get into it. Uh, obviously his height and weight, right? He's got great size. Uh, I can't remember his weight. I want to say it was 210. I have my draft board up. I don't know why I'm not looking at it because I'll find out in a second. Two ten. That's right. All right. Six five five two ten. I think that's pretty accurate. He's surprised in a way a little bit more. Uh, the easy comp for him. Straight up, is the easiest comp is Mike Evans. So the same size. Uh, now here's the thing. So Drake Lund is six five two ten. 
great size. Um, he's an early declare, another check mark off the box. His weighted dominator is very high. His level of competition, he's part of the SEC. I mean, I mean the Pac-12 is technically a part of the SEC. I don't really think they should be considered, but whatever, 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 whatever. I mean, they're 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 part of the SEC, or they're a part of the Power Five. I keep saying SEC. They are part of the Power Five. So he checks that box off. Um, and then his receiving yards per team pass attempt is the highest in the class if we extrapolate the data. So there you go. Now his physicality is what for film is is his best trait. I mean, he, he's an absolute bully off the ball. Now he's not a bully the bully the way George Pickens is because George Pickens is actually like physically bullies him. Like, I mean, like he can't do what he does in class type of thing. But um Jake London uses his body extremely well when he plays. Uh, he 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 plays like a like an elite tight end, honestly. He he puts his body between himself and the defender. He's got super long, strong arms where he just attacks the ball in space before he gets to his body, and defenders really can't defend against that. I mean, they can't. It's a lot of pass interference calls against them. Uh, now, here's the thing, though, is that I, I do favor the separators rather than contested catch style of guys. Now, people want to debate that, no, Jake London can separate. I don't see that. You can go ahead and turn on his film. Like, straight up, turn on his film. It's going to be a bunch of screen passes, a lot of screen passes. And then there's going to be a lot of, like, he pushes off a defender at the top of his route. And that's what they consider separation. And now I get that. I, I get that that's considered separation at the college level. I just don't think he can do that at the NFL level. I don't think he can just casually push off these these Pac-12 DBs the way he's going to – like. And he's just not going to do it at the NFL level. I'm sorry. So, and that's that's my issue. And and even for a contested catch, I think he had, I think PFF again, take it for what it is, has 29 contested catches, and he caught 21 out of 29, which is a very insane rate, by the way. I don't think that rate obviously holds at the next level. I mean, they shouldn't. He's playing against a lot better defensive back competition, and so clearly that rate should come back to normalized levels. So he's going to be less successful in that category. And then two, yeah, these DBs aren't going to be put bullied around the way that he bullies DBs now. And now I'm not saying he can't bully them. I'm just saying he he is. He looks like a college football player, and he's making defensive backs look like they belong in JV in high school, right? Like that's what he's doing. He's absolutely physically dominating them as as uh, as players. So except for now, he's going to be the newcomer, the JV guy going up to the varsity squad here, coming from college to the NFL. Now I will say this is that I do think that he has the physical traits and the physical ability to to actually continue doing this at the next level. I mean, he's six foot five to 10. He's going to keep this play style, and I think he's going to be more successful than the past guys. Now, like just to draw some comparisons here, um, Nikhil Harry was a contested catch guy. He's just a jump ball specialist that couldn't, couldn't, be, couldn't be beaten, and, and now he's a nobody. Uh, another one was Devontae Parker, right? Devontae Parker struggled so hard that he came out saying that he had to watch his college clips to help like boost his confidence. Like he was kind of low on himself. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to beat down on Devontae Parker though. Like that's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he struggled like that. And I feel bad when people really reflect that hard on it. Cause he was, he was a fantastic college and a college receiver. He was, he was great. But the, the thing is that that play style doesn't translate well to the NFL. You know, just because the NFL rules are are favoring separators, it doesn't mean that the physical play still isn't there. 
And so when two players do want to decide to do that physical play, it, it really comes down to a pure 50-50 chance he catches that ball, like the 50-50 ball. It, it's, it just doesn't, doesn't translate well. And so Drake London is going to need to go to a, to a team, to, an, to a quarterback that likes to throw the contested catch ball. And now I'm just going to use Devontae Parker again as an example. Tua doesn't like throwing the contested catch ball, right? Like let, let's say Drake London goes to Miami Dolphins. Tua's not going to throw that ball up to him. Tua's going to throw to Jalen Waddle, who knows how to get into space. And, and, and that's that's my issue with Drake London right now. That he's he's landing spot dependent for me. And I don't like his play style. I don't. I mean, I don't I don't like his play style whatsoever. And and like I said, he has the physical tools to continue doing that. I mean, he has he has great hands. Obviously, he has the highest score for physicality for me, obviously. Um I don't think he's very fast. I think he's got great long speed. I don't think he's bursty though. So for the DBs near him, I, I think if he can't shake that DB either by stiff arming him, probably only stiff arming him because he's not going to juke. Six foot five guys aren't going to juke men out. Um, I, I think he's toast. I think I think he's going to get caught and he's going to not gonna have a lot of uh, not going to have a good yak at the next level. And and he does have long speed too. And that goes into the the, the screenplays. If if you do look up his clips, it's going to be a ton of screenplay. You you can't you can't you can't not see it. And just just think about how long he transitions from catching that ball to starting to run and then to getting to full speed, right? To processing what's in front of him and then to getting the full speed. Like those, those are the, the three steps of transitioning to a runner. And it it's not. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying it's not top tier. It's not. It's not top tier. So that's my issue with Drake London. Not very bursty. I, I have questions about his 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 speed. Um, his route running ability too. I mean, he's six foot five. He's got really stiff hips. Not only that, his hips are way higher above the ground compared to like, you know, like Wando Robinson or Garrett Wilson, who's six foot, right? He's not, it's just not, he's not physically built to have quick feet. It's just not going to happen. Are you all you want about him having quick feet? It's not, it's not even in, it's not even in his realm of possibilities. It's not. So he'll have to win a very special way, right? He'll have to win the way Mike Mike Evans wins that that's that's his that's his ceiling that's his comp I think it's a very fair comp um that that's how he has to win he has to be pretty much an actual clone replica of Mike Evans make me feel good about him and I think Mike Evans has a lot more athletic ability than Drake London does and therefore I, I just don't see Drake London being as far like fan super successful fantasy wise I don't see it and and that's that's my spiel that's my spiel I don't want contested catch guys. I'm tired of buying into them every single year. They don't do anything. Tylen Wallace. Remember Tylen Wallace from last year? There were guys like, you know, putting him in the six to ten range. He falls to the fourth round. You guys haven't even seen Tylen Wallace all year on the field. I haven't seen him. I mean, it's a little unfair because they're not the same size, but you guys get what I'm saying. Contested catch receivers don't end up being fantasy relevant. Now, for everyone saying, but Devontae Parker had that one year. Devontae Parker did have that one year, and Devontae Parker still didn't separate that year. He had a 89% contested catch rate. Now, this is according to Matt Harmon of Recession Perception. I don't doubt anything Matt Harmon says. I actually really do like his stuff, and I love his charting, and I wish he charted more than he did, but I, I get that. I, I, I fully understand the amount of work that goes into that. But th that, that was his win rate. His win rate was 89%, and he had a quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who didn't care. He would just throw the ball and sling it. And that's it. That's, that's what he would do. And, and, it, and so Drake London has to go to a quarterback. That's not afraid to sling it. So 
that's my spiel for Drake London. I, I have him as wide receiver six because I, I can't doubt his actual physical traits and his physical abilities because he's actually built to win, unlike some of these other guys like Tyler Wallace and Javier Simmons. He was six foot, you know, he's six foot five. He has long arms. He has a basketball background. I don't really even care about the basketball background because I don't even see him get vertical ever. He doesn't jump because he's he's tall enough anyway not to jump. But he's built. He's built that way. He's built different. I hate to say it like that, but that, that's what it is. So that's why he's my wide receiver six. Hate the play style. Love the physical profile. Love the production profile. Just hate the play style. So he's my wide receiver six, and that's 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 where he's at. Now, my wide receiver seven, I am looking at old notes, so now I'm a little bothered by that. You don't give me one second. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry about that, guys. I should know by range five minutes. We're not even that deep into it. I just want to make sure I had this right, that I had this correctly. And it's going to be Jahan Dotson. Great. Cool. Sorry. For a second, I thought I had my eight and seven switched up. Thank you for waiting patiently. Jahan Dotson's another uh, elite separator. That's why I'm not that high. I think he has longevity. Now, I stated two episodes ago that it was a red flag for me that he decided not to go to the senior bowl. Now, again, if you were like a nobody or like a, like a middle of the middle of the pack type of guy, I would be a lot more concerned to go to the senior bowl. But the fact that he's already in talks about being a first round draft pick, I get it. Like what's he got more to prove? He already proved it. You know, why, why would you risk the injury? You know, the whole, the whole argument about um, argument for players skipping, skipping bowl games. It makes sense. He didn't need to showcase any more than he got. The thing is that uh, Jahan Dotson is light, right? He's he's a skinny guy. He doesn't win the physical game. He absolutely puts in the effort to win, though. Like, he is he is a dog out there. He's trying to win. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen as much at the next level. But, yeah, he was – he. I love his production profile. Now, let's just dive into the analytics here for Jahan Dotson. Get his numbers up. He did not score – that well for me he got about yeah, he got above average okay uh first round draft capital is what's being projected right now so that's what i have him down as love that height and weight he's small he's small i mean he's light he's got the right height he's a bit light i, I wish he weighed an extra 10 pounds i would feel so good about that um he's not an early declare he is the first receiver i'm talking about that is not an early declare and that's kind of a, a red flag right now here's just Analytically, it makes sense, right? Now, if you're not into analytics, let me just explain it to you through logic. Uh, if you're a power five receiver, so that means you're you're a top tier, well, in the top tier level of competition for for college football. And and you're a junior, you're eligible to go to the draft. You flash some, right? You flash some. It was COVID year, so so he had half a season, or whatever. He flashed some, and then he wants to go to the draft, and he has scouts tell him, oh well, you know we think you should stay that's not that's not that's not a good thing you know like you, you want teams to want you want teams to be like yo when are you gonna get to the nfl when are we when are we able to get you on our roster when are we gonna be able to get you this your own your own locker you know and and and, and that's that's why these late declares logically it's it's bad but it also checks out analytically too uh, you want these processes that as soon as they can get to the nfl like as soon as they're wanted in the nfl sorry not can't as soon as they're wanted in the nfl you want them to go right 
And that's why it was such a bad thing that Chris Olave came back, but we'll talk about that in a second. So we're on his height and weight, late to Claire, right? So he's a little skinny, didn't didn't go early. So I gave him a little, little downgrade for that. Now his dominator was above the magic line. We love that, a little, a little bit above. So above that, um, I did give him a bump for internal competition because Parker Washington is currently projected to be a day two pick next year. So we'll talk about him probably in a few months. Um, but he had internal competition. He wasn't just having scrubs on us. There was other options on the raw. There are other options in the receiving core for that quarterback to go to. And then his yards. Oh, no, sorry. Receiving yards per team pass attempt was also uh, above the line and very decent. So even with this internal competition, he still was very relevant. So. Let's get into his his film. His film. I, I talked about his physicality. Um, he has great body control. He he has one-handed catches on his on his tape. So God love the hands. The thing with one-handed catches is that sometimes they're very unnecessary and they're flashy, and you might think they're they're stupid and ridiculous. But if a receiver can catch a ball with one hand, he can catch a ball with two hands. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just you know one plus one equals two. But no, with all serious seriousness, he's got great ball tracking ability, great hands, uh, great body adjustment. And, and and that's that's how he wins the quote-unquote contested catches is through that. Not through his physicality, but through all the other traits that he can win with. Um, yeah, and, and, and his route run is just phenomenal. He's very quick, very explosive, very twitchy, um, which you love. And you, you shouldn't be scouting the helmet too, but like Penn State makes products, you know what I'm saying? Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin. Like is is, is he going to be the next, the next Penn State guy? And – I think he absolutely does have that in the realm of possibilities. Now, if I had to compare him to somebody currently in the NFL, it would be Deontay Johnson. They're both on the light side, but they're both route runners. Um, that's a high-end comparison. But I, I do want to say with route runners, they stick around on rosters, right? They they don't they don't tend to they don't tend to fall off. You know, uh, after like two or three years, you know who they are, and they kind of stay consistent. And, and that's what we like about them a lot is, is that they're consistent. There's not a lot of if and ands. There's no, oh, well, he's going to need a quarterback that throws in the tight coverage. Like, no, he'll get open. Oh, well, well, we need a quarterback that's accurate. Well, he's got great body control and great ball tracking, so he can make adjustments midair. You know, like that's that's why you want these separators to have these, these abilities. Um, the physicality, again, would have been a plus, but he does not have that ability. And even if you put on the weight, it's not like he's used to playing that, you know? Um, with running backs, I think that's very evident because we talk about, oh, this guy, like Kenny Gainwell, right? Last year, we talked about Kenny Gainwell. I think he was playing at 200. People were like, oh, man, we really wish we could see him play at two, like, you know, get up to 210. And he got, he got up to 205. And that's fine. But the thing is that we didn't get to see him play at that weight. So is that weight just him eating a bunch of hamburgers beforehand? Or like, can he actually continue to keep those athletic traits that he has at that playing weight? And and that's that's the problem with these players that just put on last minute weight is that I didn't get to watch them play at that weight. So I, I don't know if that actually fit, like hinders their physical ability. And and there might be some of you at home like rolling your eyes listening to this. So I, I'm in the armor. I'm excuse myself as a personal example. I'm six foot two. I'm I'm two. I'm 220, 215. I, I really fluctuate between like around the 215 area, but uh, I'm like 220 right now, right? If you told me to go run a two mile run right now, which is our physical fitness test, I'd probably get like a 1630, which is like the bottom tier of like our run. Now, when I lose 
10 pounds and I weigh 210 and I've, I've gone through, I've gone through special forces selection. My, my run goes from a 1630 to a, like a 14 flat at 1330. That's how much that weight differs for me. and matters for me because you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in shape. I, I lost that extra little, my little love handles that my wife says don't exist, but they do. I see them. I see them in the mirror. They do exist, but those love handles are gone. Anyway, I move better. Again, that I'm just trying to make an example of, of where just a little bit of weight actually does matter a lot and being explosive and, and speed and stuff like that. So I do want to see Jahan Dawson put on that weight, but if he puts on that weight, I'm not going to feel too great about it. I just see him play at that weight. So I'm, I don't really factor it in, but it makes me feel better. It does make me feel better than when he gains the weight. And then again, he has all practice to figure out. He has a whole offseason to put on the weight. You know, it's, I'm not I'm not overly worried about it, but I'm not I'm still going to count it against him that he's he's at his current playing weight. Where was I at? Okay, wide receiver. I just did Drake London. I did Jahan Dawson. That's six seven. I'm a wide receiver eight. Wide receiver eight is a a big homer pick here. Uh, not a homer pick. I, I'm a big fan. And I guarantee you, I'm probably the highest honor compared to everybody else in the industry. And, and that's Khalil Shakir. I'm a huge Khalil Shakir fan. I tweeted about him one day and his mom retweeted me. And, and ever since then, I, I can't drop him. I can't disappoint somebody's mother. I can't disappoint my own mother. It's terrible. I can't do that. So, and that's a true story, by the way. Khalil Shakir's mom did retweet me. I'm very famous for it. Um, I like. I think I tweeted out like your 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 weekly Khalil Shakir highlight and he's him making some insane grab and his mom like retweeted me. And I was like, let's go. Anyway. Moving forward off this tangent, Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir is a twitchy receiver, right? I, I think he's an elite route runner. And the question going to the senior bowl, because it's my first G5 guy we're talking about, is 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 if he can still keep up what he does on production at at this oh, – sorry, <clears throat> getting tongue-tied – against better cornerback competition, right? Because he's, he's, he's roasting. He's, he's absolutely just destroying these G5 – cornerbacks and that's fine and that's great and that's what i want him to do but i still need i still need him to validate his skill by playing better competition which he did against uh the cornerbacks there at the at the senior bowl i mean i think there's quite a few guys there that are, that are day two cornerbacks in that in that class that were there um and i saw great clips i saw him beating kobe bryant he was very twitch i i loved it he was twitchy and he played well against press which was my big question because I couldn't see much press coverage in his film. I just, they just seemed to give him cushion and he's fast too. I think he's a threat at all three levels of the field. Now here's the issue. I should have talked about his analytics first, but I'm already talking about this. His issue is that um, he played a lot from the slot. I want to say he had close to 70% of his snaps in the slot. He's six foot 193, which is fine size to be moved around the formation. Um, slot receivers, tend to not have to be as technically sound as the outside, right? And in space, you you have to be able to do pretty much all the route tree, right? Where in the slot, is mostly a lot of inside routes, a lot of slants, you know, stuff in the flats. Um, but they, they don't need to run go routes out of the slot. If just, I'm just trying to give some broad examples here. I'm not being very generalistic here. So that that's my issue with the slot is that it usually means that one, you're not as defined as a route runner, and and two, um, there's more challenges on the outside, you know, press coverage and and whatever. Anyway, 
So, so that that's one red flag. And and slot receivers for fantasy don't produce, right? I, I talk about this a lot. I think two years ago, I wish I, I need I need to find out this year's data, but two years ago, Keenan Allen was the top slot receiver, and then I think number three was Tyler Boyd, and this was before Jamar Chase was named. And then, and then after that, it was like Russell Gage, right? So after the top three slot receivers. Like that was it. Like nobody was really fancy relevant. I think Danny Amendola was like wide receiver six out of the slot that played like a majority of snaps out of the slot. So that's that's why we don't want guys that are just glued to the slot, and that's why we want guys that can move around the formation. And now I, that is my main concern with Khalil Shakir. It's if he becomes glued to the slot because that's how he was utilized in college. But I don't think I think his skill set he can be moved around the formation. So let's get into his analytics real quick. I'm getting way too deep into who he is as a player. Close to Q. Uh, currently going in the third round. Smack down the middle of the third round, which is great. That's day two draft capital. His height and weight, he's six foot 193. That's fine size. Nothing special, but definitely nothing bad. So very good. Another late declare, right? So he took off last year. He's a G5 guy. G5 guys don't like don't ever get told hey come to the nfl draft because you know it's not the power five they get shunned they're not playing georgia's defense or alabama's defense they're playing against i don't know wyoming's pass coverage and they're playing against fresno state's pass coverage you know these guys don't play top tier um defenses but i will say this i couldn't factor this in it's just not a part of my model i'm trying to be objective here um if you look at SRS schedule, now SRS uh, scheduling is uh, end of year, you take a matrix and the matrix kind of puts out who played a harder defense. And then the matrix keeps repeating itself over and over again, refining the process until it gets the same consistent result, no matter what. Boise State had the 27th hardest schedule. 27 out of, you know, everybody, not just G5, I'm talking about P5 and G5. So, so they're saying that Boise State plays some serious competition. So I'm just throwing that tidbit out there. So anyway, still G5. I'm just saying he played the 27th hour schedule. Weighted dominator right on the line. So that works. Level of competition, G5. We talked about that. Uh, his reception yards per, per team pass attempt was a little below that line, that top 24 line uh, that we talked about last episode. Hope we talked about this episode too. So that magic line of being above the average, that regression line. He is he is a little below the average, so he's fighting an uphill battle analytically to be fantasy relevant or to be a top fantasy producer. So going into the film now, talked about his route running. He has great body control. I mean, seriously, if you look up highlights or just any games, it, it felt like every week or every other week he was making some acrobatic catch. Like one-handed grabs over double coverage, or yeah, there's one catch in triple coverage where he caught the ball, but he like flew out of bounds. But like, just that he caught that ball was insane. I mean, it didn't count, but like, that was insane. Like, like you shouldn't be able to do that. So anyway, he has great hands, great ball tracking ability, great body control to adjust to this ball. Um, physicality was always a question, right? Like I said, we we're worried about him in press coverage. Um, he looks slimmer too. So there were questions about him being below 190 pounds, but he actually came above at 193 and we got to watch him play at 193. Thanks to the senior bowl. So 
check that off the box too. Look great. Um, his yak ability too. I, he is he is amazing in space. Uh, I mean, he knows how to sink his hips uh, to get tight turns on not only his routes but also cutting, cutting in open space. And then he lowers his pads for contact too. When he has to push through contact, he lowers. He knows how to lower the pad level. Um, he's very twitchy. He knows how to absorb contact too. He, he like he's a great yak guy. And and that's another trend too in the NFL here is that people want to talk about yak like Debo, uh, Cooper Cup, right? Top two receivers this year. It does seem that the NFL is also trending now. So we went from physical play to the separators. And now it looks like it's going towards yards as a catch ability. And, and I I think I think Khalil Shakir has some of the best yards after the catch ability. Once he gets to open space, he's amazing. He was used in wildcat formations at Boise. He was also used on on rushing plays. I think he, you know, he had like 15 to 20 rushes every single season he played for Boise. So clearly the team, the coaches, recognize him as a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And they wanted to keep defenses honest. And, and, and they deployed him as a weapon every single way they could. And he was clearly a weapon on all four levels of the field. Not just, you know, the intermediate, the, sorry, the close intermediate and the, like, long ball. But he was also used in the backfield as a runner. So his versatility is amazing. And, and that's that's something that's, that's the reason why I have him so high at wide receiver seven. And as much as I want to knock G5, just like everybody else does, and, and they rightfully should, he produced in G5 for, for two, three years in a row. I mean, COVID season last year was shortened. I think he played he played six games, averaged over 100 yards the last two seasons. Um, so I, I always wonder, like, like, if he had a full season last year, would, would he have come out? But anyway, clearly it didn't happen. But I think he's a great route runner. I think he has longevity in the league. Um, he does have short arms too. I will say that that's another downside. He has very short arms. Um, so Alfred here, Cam Scan believes that because of his arms are so short, that limits his ability to play on the outside and therefore might support the argument to solidify him into the slot. So I don't think that's a big deal. I haven't heard that be the case real life, but you know, I want to, I want to put it out there. I want to put it out there for your, for your consideration. And that's Khalil Shakir. So I, I really believe in him. Wide receiver eight for me. Wide receiver nine. Here we go. All right. You guys are going to take a deep breath for this, all right? We have to address the stegosaurus in the room. Chris Olave is my wide receiver nine. And, and here's why. And truthfully, I think I have to go back and watch tape from last year, not this year, but from last year. But I'm not impressed with them this year. Let's talk about the analytics here. Chris Olave, I have him down as a first-round draft capital. Um, that's just because of what they say in the National Mock Draft database here. But my bold, my, I guess, quote-unquote, bold take is that he's a day-two pick, right? He wasn't a day-one pick last year. That's why he went back. What has he proven this year to make him a day-two pick or a day-one pick? Sorry. It's it's nothing. I mean, he he didn't improve. No one says he's improved. No one no one is oogling or oozing over how he's he's a much better prospect than last year than he is this year. No one's saying that. So why is he all of a sudden assumed to go from what he was, I think, a day two draft pick last year to a day one pick this year? He hasn't shown anything. 
I will say this though, and we can never prove this, but if he goes day one, I think it's because he goes to a team with a GM whose job is on the line and he's like, I need to draft a safe pick and Chris Olave is a safe pick. You know, because I, I, I think everybody knows what they get when they get it. Whatever. I'm moving on. I'm moving on from the draft capital. Uh, his size. His whole reason now for going back is that he wanted to bulk up physically for the next level. I don't know if he gained any weight. I don't think he did. I think he's still listed at 188 pounds. And if he gained weight, it's like one or two pounds. And I haven't been able to see him play at that weight. He is the exact same guy as he was last year, like physicality-wise. So that was a bunch of baloney, and I hate that. But moving forward, he's a late declare. So number three there for late declare. So that's not good. His weight dominator is super, super low. I mean, he scored 12 touchdowns, so weight dominator does not help you out there. Um, under a thousand yard receiver with one of the best quarterbacks in college football right now. Level of competition gave him a bump up because he has a lot of internal competition. So gotta take that into account. And then his receiving yards per team pass attempt also gave him a bump up for that too because of internal competition. But it was pretty low to begin with. Um here's the thing too, talking about his level of competition. He was not the wide receiver one on that team. He wasn't even the wide receiver two on that team. He was the wide receiver three on that team, right? And and absolutely, the other guys on that team, Garrett Wilson and uh, JSN, are phenomenal talents. And, and they're both first-round draft picks locked in 100%. So, like, they're top-tier talents. I'm going to assume, this is an assumption, that Chris Olave did not line up against the top corners on the opposing defenses. Right? Like, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm trying to stop Garrett Wilson. I'm trying to stop JSN. Chris Olave is like a, like a, I don't know, like not not my first priority. Not, not even the second priority. You got, you got Trayvon Henderson you got to worry about, too. But anyway. Oh, no. I hope, oh, man, I got to pause this. Nope, I'm gonna keep going. Just fuck it. Um, no, I gotta check. I'm sorry. I gotta check and make sure my mic's all good. Sorry, guys. My mic unplugged. All right, we're good. <clears throat> we're back. Very sorry about that technical difficulty. Talking about we're talking slander on Chris Olave. I I, I just assumed that he didn't line up against the top corners either. You know, and it's not like Ohio State had a hard schedule either. There, I mean, they're in the 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 Big Ten, I think, or whatever it's called. The big disappointment. They're, they're not great. Like, they're not. Chris Olave didn't produce well this year. He didn't produce against top competition. And he's supposed to be the guy in this class. That's who he was supposed to be. And he definitely was not the guy. And now here's the thing about his tape, too. When you watch his tape, because I, I have a lot of people come to me. They're like, oh, well, everyone else knows he's a route runner. Go watch his tape. Go watch his tape. He doesn't get separation. He's a deep threat guy. He doesn't know how to manipulate defenders to flip over their hips. He doesn't. He doesn't do the head fake and the twitch. He doesn't. He's not twitchy. He doesn't get these guys to bite. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to find them like get guys to bite. It it seems like if he's wide open, it's because of busted coverage. It's not because of route running ability. It's because of busted coverage by the defense. The defense is focused on the actual threats on the team besides him. He's an afterthought. But that's that's. I'm getting that over here. I gotta get a drink. But. That's 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 what he is. He's a deep threat. That's what that's how he was utilized in this offense. And that's why I'm saying I have to go and watch his tape from last year because he's utilized as a deep threat this year because they have JSN, 
and they have Garrett Wilson to do everything else. So I, I have to confirm that that's who he is as a player, but that is how he utilizes this year with as a deep threat. And and that's fine. I mean, you can you can you can be all excited about that as much as you want. There's there's no prospect the last couple of years that was drafted in the early early rounds that was his size and utilized as a deep threat because he doesn't win the physical play. He has amazing hands, amazing ball tracking ability, amazing body control. Just like I'll talk about Khalil Shakir, but with better hands. I mean, he, this guy is great in those in those in those categories. But I don't think he's that fast. I don't think he's as fast as advertised. He's given a lot of cushion on his routes. I mean, a lot of cushion. He watched him play. So it's almost like he doesn't even need to, to use separation at times. He just has to get up to full speed and run by them. I don't think Chris Olave is going to be a wide receiver one on a roster at the next level. I think he can be a wide receiver two. But if he's going to be a wide receiver two, he has to go to a team that gives their quarterback a lot of time to throw the ball and let a play develop, you know, like the Chiefs, for example, or or Justin Herbert, who can sling the ball plenty of time. But he goes to a team with a terrible offensive line, like the Jags, for example. That offensive line is not going to give Trevor Lawrence enough time to let Chris Olave go run 30 yards downfield. It's not going to happen. So I, I'm very unimpressed with Chris Olave as a player. And if you guys want to say, oh, so-and-so's wrote notes say he's a route runner. I remember someone sent me a link to, to a fancy pros notes thing. And it was from last, it was a year old, a year old saying he was a route runner. Please go, please go watch this tape. Cause all, all I see him do is just run deep and, and then jump, just become a jump ball specialist. And, and that's my issue with Chris Olave. And, and as, as I talk about jump ball specialists, as I did with Drake London talking about, uh Devontae Parker talking about Nikhil Harry he is smaller than all those other prospects so how is he going to win the physical battle if he's if he weighs 188 and he's six foot flat or six foot one whatever he is six foot one or six foot flat he weighs 188 pounds it's not going to happen he's not going to be able to win and that is why he's my wide receiver nine nine I don't think you can separate and I don't think whatever you guys heard it. I'm like a broken record now. And maybe I'm just being, maybe I'm just being uh, a little bit putting the blinders on by saying he's not fast because I don't know. I don't really see it too often. Anyway, thanks for listening to my spiel about Chris Olave. Now, my wide receiver 10 to cap this off today is, I want to say it's Sky Moore. Let me see if that's right. I got to check these notes. Sky Moore. Yes, it is. Sky Moore. I love myself some Sky. Sky's the limit. Um, and what, what a great guy to end pterodactyl Thursday on. Um, oh no, it's Tyrano. God, it's Ty, sorry. It's Tyrano Tuesday. Um, yeah, Sky Moore. Sky Moore is a G5 guy. I honestly, um, was not on Sky Moore until the end of the season. I, I didn't really know what he was. I just saw he was a G5 producer and I, I didn't watch like a lot of his tape at all until like after the draft process. Cause I'm just like. I mean, he's torching, he's torching G5 defense. It's like, who cares? You know, like, I mean, who cares? But I watched his, him as a prospect and he is great off the line. He has a very, um, he uses a, a, a release package, kind of like the same package every single play, no matter what. Um, but he's quick and he's twitchy. And here's the thing too. He was recruited to be a cornerback. He legitimately only has three years of wide receiver gameplay underneath his belt. Like that's it. 
you know, kind of similar to Kadarius Tony was a quarterback going to college football and he became a wide receiver. So he, he's a CB converted to wide receiver. He's five foot ten. So I do have some size concerns. Um, actually, let's just roll right to the analytics here. Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Currently a day three draft capital guy. I have seen some day four, though. So he's like really on the line. So I'm kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt. I gave him the benefit of the doubt because an average of 15 wide receivers every year get drafted between day one and day two. And uh, if you count up this year's numbers, they're less than, than 15. So I, I threw them in there. I'm not being very honest about it, but you know, we'll see once, once draft time comes, because I think he's actually a, a legit prospect. I really do. Um, he's a separator. Sorry. Just going over the analytics. He's five foot 10, 195. I mean, he looks it too. I don't think he's lying. Now, here's the thing, though. What if he is lying? You know, because a lot of them do lie. And the combine is coming up. What if he comes in at 5'9"? 5'8", five, 5'8", five, eight, five, eight, like a death sentence. But 5'9", you know, I, here's, here's, here's my philosophy for guys that are undersized. And undersized for me is like below 5'11". So 5'10 and down. 5'10 is like on the line. And I'm really not sure how I feel about guys that are 5'10". But if he's... If he's below five foot ten, let's say he's like five foot nine and a half, because that's still below five foot ten. I don't round up. I think he has to be athletically elite in something. That's my philosophy. Think about Jalen Waddle. Think about Devontae Smith. Think about um, Elijah Moore. They're all they're all elite athletes, and and that's that's where the line comes from, right? And Tyreek Hill, for example, too. So that's that's my issue with guys that are sub one ninety. Is that I want them, or sorry, sub 190 or sub or or short. I need them to be top tier athletes for me to pick them up, because I, otherwise I don't think it translates over, right? Especially going from G5 to to, to um, the NFL. He's group of five. He's not coming from the top tier conferences. He's coming from these bottom tier conferences. Now he isn't really declared, so that's great. That works for him. His weight dominator is extremely high. Uh, his level of competition, I already talked about that. And then his receiving yards per team pass attempt is also insanely high. kind of coincides with his, his uh, dominator. So his analytical score is fairly decent. Um, now for his film score, great route runner. I really do think he's fantastic. But he also has great hands. He has great hands. I mean, he's winning contested catches at five foot ten. Again, G5. So, you know, pour some salt on it. Pour a lot of salt on it. But – he is winning contested catches that he shouldn't be winning. Um, and he has great ball tracking ability. I mean, like, he had Caleb Ellaby throwing to him. Caleb Ellaby is also going to the draft. Haven't really evaluated Caleb Ellaby. I think, I don't, I don't know. Caleb Ellaby is a late day three guy or a UDFA practice squad guy for a year or two. But so he didn't have the top tier quarterbacks throwing to him. I do have some questions about his speed. I think he's fast. I just don't think he's. Fast, fast. I don't know if that makes sense. He's definitely faster than David Bell. I'll say that. But um, he's not He's not a world ender, right? I'm, I'm trying to highlight that he's not an athlete, like I said. So if he comes in short, he's not an athlete. But he does get the draft capital. I think I'm going to have to fade him. And I hate that because he, he hits a lot of the markers. He's analytically, he analytically uh, he hits all the analytical markers. And, and that's, that's, I mean, I mean, that's huge. I mean, all the analytical guys are going to pound the table for him. But I'm going to say the film doesn't really match here. And that's that's my – yeah, and that sucks. So I'm, I'm worried about his size. I, I can't think of any because I, I have my – I think I have my height and weight chart up here on my computer. 
I do not. Yeah. So anyway, my height and weight chart is not up on my computer, but it's kind of hard to find guys that are five foot ten that that produce. They all seem to be a little taller than that. I mean, even Jalen Wild, who's light, he's still taller. Again, looking for elite athletes that are undersized, and that's that's the issue. So that wraps up my wide receivers five through ten. Just to go over it again, wide oh sorry six through ten. Wide receiver six is Drake London. Uh, potential alpha. I think he's going to be a bust, but I still can't deny his physical abilities. So, you know, we'll see. I'm 100% ready to be wrong on that. That's why he's wide receiver six, not like wide receiver like 15. Wide receiver seven is going to be Jahan Dotson, the separator. Wide receiver eight is going to be Khalil Shakir, another twitchy separator with great yak ability. Um, and then wide receiver, but maybe, maybe a slot guy. So that's terrible. Wide receiver nine is Chris Olave, who skill set 100% does not translate to the NFL whatsoever. But is it his skill set or just how he was used? That's the question. And then you have wide receiver 10, Sky Moore, who hits every single analytical marker, but might be a little bit small. So that wraps it up. I just threw out a bunch of red flags. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I feel a little less confident about this wide receiver class. Anyway, guys, thanks for joining me. I'll uh, I'll I'll check back in with you guys for the next uh the next um pterodactyl Thursday. See you guys later. Have a good night.